You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, Ellie here bringing you my weekly note to the cafe community. As always, please send me your thoughts, comments, or questions at letters at cafe.com. Prosecutors know there is a world of difference between believing something or even knowing it and being able to prove it. And when I say prove, I mean by admissible evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to the unanimous satisfaction of a jury. Great, the guy did it, we'd sometimes say to one another at the SDNY, but can you prove it? I'm referring, of course, to the recent news that the two prosecutors who'd been leading the New York County Manhattan District Attorney's Office's investigation of the Trump org and former President Donald Trump, Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn, suddenly and unexpectedly resigned on Wednesday. The New York Times reported that Pomerantz and Dunn, who've been running the Trump case for years, reportedly quit because newly elected District Attorney Alvin Bragg, quote, indicated to them that he had doubts about moving forward with a case against Mr. Trump, end quote. Disclosure here, Alvin Bragg is a friend of mine and a former SDNY colleague. I've never discussed this case with him. I don't know Pomerantz or Dunn, though Pomerantz worked at the SDNY before I did and has a very good reputation. There's still much we don't know. What exactly was the nature of the disagreement between Pomerantz and Dunn? We'll call them collectively the team, just for ease of reference, and Bragg. Did the team want to actually indict Trump, but Bragg disagreed? The Washington Post has reported that Bragg's predecessor, former DA Cy Vance, had, quote, concluded there was enough evidence after a three-year probe to obtain an indictment and conviction, end quote, and authorized the team to seek an indictment of Trump from a grand jury. I have questions about this, as we'll discuss shortly. Did the team want to take certain investigative steps that Bragg would not bless? Was the team looking at a longer timeline than Bragg wanted? Or was the problem that Bragg, quote, appeared uninterested and, quote, has shown minimal interest in the case, quote, as the Post reported? In grappling with these unknowns, let's run down what we do know. First, Vance and the team had this case for three years, dating back to early 2019. That's an awfully long time with next to nothing to show for it. I know the team had to deal with the detour to fight it out with Trump all the way to the Supreme Court to get his tax returns, but that's no excuse at all. An appellate dispute surely diverts some resources, but it wouldn't cause the entire investigation to ground to a halt. You fight the case on appeal and you carry on with your investigation too. And I know, but investigations take time, sure. But three years is an awfully long time, even for a complex case. More importantly, 
Vance and the team knew full well his time was running out as the end of his tenure approached at the end of 2021. Why then didn't Vance indict while he was in office? If the team was so ready and eager, why didn't they move to the grand jury two months ago? Has that much changed in their investigation that quickly? Have they gone from not ready to must indict in a handful of weeks? Bottom line, Vance and the team had this case forever and a half, and they never pulled the trigger. Second, a case against Trump would absolutely not be, quote, easy, end quote, despite the sensational proclamations of some in the legal punditry. Any sensible, clear-minded, honest prosecutor knows that you cannot stand in front of a jury and argue, hey, folks, look, we know there was some fraud at the Trump org, and Donald Trump is the boss, so he must have known. That won't cut it. You need proof, beyond a reasonable doubt, not only that there was in fact fraud, but that your charged defendant knew about it and blessed or participated in it in some manner. How might prosecutors establish Trump's knowledge? We know he didn't text or email, so there's no smoking gun document. There does not appear to be any incriminating wiretap or other recording. And the DA's office doesn't appear to have a reliable, credible cooperator who can bring the case home. Indicting Trump on this fraud case sure as hell isn't easy, and it's far easier said than done. Third, Michael Cohen is not the savior here. Some fancy Cohen is the star witness who can blow the lid off and walk Trump into prison. After all, he did testify in Congress back in February 2019 about the Trump org's practice of inflating and deflating the value of its assets. So there you go. Call Cohen as a witness, introduce a handful of documents, sit back and wait for your guilty verdict, right? Let's keep in mind, first, that the SDNY forcefully rejected Cohen as a cooperating witness back in 2019. The SDNY wrote to the court that, quote, the crimes committed by Cohen were more serious than his submission allows and were marked by a pattern of deception that permeated his professional life and was evidently hidden from the friends and family members who wrote on his behalf. And the SDNY wrote that, quote, Cohen repeatedly declined to provide full information about the scope of any additional criminal conduct in which he may have engaged or had knowledge, end quote. Now, if the SDNY wanted no part of Cohen, why would the DA bank on him as its star witness? The problem with Cohen, as I've told him directly on his podcast, is first that his information about Trump is too general. Trump knew everything is not the same as Trump specifically engineered a fraud on this particular transaction. And second, as the SDNY has noted on the record, he has credibility issues. Fourth, the results of the DA's case so far have been, shall we say, uninspiring. In July 2021, the team unveiled its only criminal charges to date, an indictment of the Trump org as a corporate entity and its longtime CFO, Alan Weisselberg, on a tax fraud scheme involving payment and non-reporting of certain employee benefits. The indictment is, well, fine, if a bit flaccid as a result of a three-year investigation. It alleges non-reporting of about $1.7 million in income spread over 16 years, which comes out to about $100,000 per year, substantially less if we're going by tax loss. Not insignificant, but far from a blockbuster as tax fraud cases go. More importantly, since July, there has been no action on the indictment. Nobody else has been charged and no charges have been added against the named defendants. And while the team apparently aimed to flip Weisselberg, they have not succeeded. Given the indictment itself and the lack of action since it dropped, I said on air for CNN in late November 2021 that the case looked to be, and I quote myself, largely a dud, 
end quote. Nothing has changed since then. The bottom line is that it now seems exceedingly unlikely that the Manhattan DA will bring criminal charges against Trump. We still might see more charges against other Trump org employees, and it seems likely that New York Attorney General Letitia James, who said recently in court papers she had amassed, quote, significant additional evidence indicating that the Trump org used fraudulent or misleading asset valuations to obtain a host of economic benefits, end quote, will bring a civil lawsuit against the Trump org and perhaps Trump himself. But the big ticket item, a criminal indictment of Donald J. Trump by the Manhattan DA, simply does not look to be in play. Stay safe and stay informed, everybody.